Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I was once listening to one of my favorite authors. His name is Michael Horton. And he was talking about premarital sex among Christians. And as he was talking about premarital sex, he said that the sin concerned him, but not as much as something else. What concerned him most was the doctrine that someone had to give up in order to engage that sin. What doctrine did someone have to drop? (laughs) Did they stop believing in the holiness of God and his call for people to live a holy life? Did they drop the inerrancy of scriptures that speaks against that sin? Did they drop the doctrine of God's omniscience that he knows and sees everything that's going on? What doctrine did they have to drop in order to engage in sin? And I think it's a good question for all of us to ask. When we find ourselves straying into sin, what doctrine of God do we drop? And I put it another way. When we sin, when I sin, when you sin, what are you refusing to believe about God at that moment, at that very moment? The Bible says that not only are we to believe something and say something, but we are also to act on it, to obey what the word of God says. To put it another way, what we say and do shows up in our actions. Faith expresses itself in action. And I also want to say this. Unbelief also expresses itself in action. See, too many times we think that faith is intellectual assent, but faith is actually something that believes something and acts on it. And our actions reveal what we believe, and what we believe is shown in our actions. And so when you find yourself acting contrary to God's word, you got to ask yourself, what are you refusing to believe about God at that moment? When you're angry or greedy, when you lie, when you slander someone, when you lust or pursue idolatry, at that moment, at that moment when you're full of fear or anxiety and you want to make decisions out of fear and anxiety, at that moment, what are you refusing to believe about God. And I think this is, this is very important. So let me show you why that's important. Because if we're not careful, these moments of unbelief can turn into patterns, and these patterns can turn into lifestyles. So we dabble a little bit in sin, unbelief, moments, can turn into patterns, can turn into lifestyles, and before we know it, we find ourselves straying and far from God. And that is what the author of Hebrews is concerned about and has been concerned about for the last 10 chapters. And now we turn to Hebrews 11, 
that great faith chapter, and he wants them to continue to persevere in their faith. We left off in chapter 10 when he said the great need that they have in life was to keep showing up. Remember, they had need of endurance. In the midst of suffering and persecution, they had need of endurance. And today we come to chapter 11. How many of you like chapter 11? Yeah, it's really good. It's a chapter about all the perfect people who had faith. Before we get started, I want to make sure you understand what faith is not. Because I know many of you may have grown up in church or watched certain preachers on TV that say, if you believe it, you can receive it. If you believe in your healing, you'll receive your healing. You believe in money, you'll get money. If you believe in prosperity, you'll get prosperity. If you believe that you'll be happy, you'll be, be happy. Not true. Faith is not about creating a reality. So this is kind of what faith is. Not just kind of, this is what it is. Biblical faith trusts God and what he has laid out in his word. So biblical faith trusts God for the future and what he has laid out in his word. It's not what you can create by faith. It is what God has already created and will create and you are called to trust, to believe. And that's where we're going this morning and it's gonna be good. Hebrews 11, verse one, let's go ahead and do it. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And this is not like a definition or anything. Don't think this is a, a comprehensive definition. Let's try to understand a few things here, okay? Let's put some words together. We're gonna put two sets of words together. So let's start with verse one where it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Okay, let's talk about things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So let's put together the phrase things hoped for and things not seen. What are those things? Well, according to the book of Hebrews, the things hoped for and the things not seen are the spiritual realities, such as Christ coming back a second time, eternal rest with God in heaven, eternal inheritance, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and a variety of other spiritual realities that will come primarily when in the future, based upon the salvation we have in Jesus. These are spiritual things hoped for, but not seen. All right, so far so good. Look at verse one again. Let's put two more words together. Faith is the assurance, right, let's get the word assurance, and the conviction. So assurance and conviction, we're gonna pair those words together. These words describe the inner certainty of faith as a person looks to the future and sees the unseen. They carry the meaning such as being sure or things we hope for in the future and have a certainty about them. It's not that faith creates reality. It's that reality exists that God has called and it impacts our faith and it creates faith within us. So a reality exists that is unseen and creates the assurance and the things hoped for in us. The great singer Rich Mullins, he has put it this way on his song on the Apostles' Creed. He said, I believe what I believe. It what, it's what makes me what I am. Well, I did not make it. No, it is making me. I did not make it. No, it is making me. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. 
So the song is saying that there is a truth that God exists and that creates faith that is stirred up in me. My faith is not creating reality. So I have assurance and conviction that these realities exist. And I wanna make sure you get this. I believe, you believe by faith that something exists in the future. Christ is coming back. He's building an eternal kingdom. It cannot be shaken. So much so that not only am I gonna believe that, but I'm gonna act upon it. I'm gonna believe it and I'm gonna act upon it. I'm not just gonna say, yeah, that's a good idea, but I'm gonna do something. When you read chapter 11, those are people doing stuff. Tony Evans, the great preacher, he puts it like this. This is good. He says, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Not feeling like God is telling the truth. Not saying that God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Unless it has hit your feet, it is not faith. It's called walking by faith, not talking by faith. We believe, we act, we hear, we obey. It's the way it's always been, Old Testament, New Testament. Faith acts. Look at verse 2, verse 2. For by it the men of old gained approval. So it was by faith that those in the Old Testament received the approval of God. In fact, we're going to see this whole chapter of people receiving the approval of God. They were not perfect people. Do not set the bar unrealistically high as they were men and women just like you. And they gained the approval of God. And that's exactly what we want. We want the approval of God. It's not something we gain. We are saved by faith alone. Grace alone in the finished work of Christ alone. We always saved, say we're saved by faith alone, not works. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. The faith that you are saved by alone is never alone. Because if it is true faith, it will act and obey the word of God. You got that? So don't mix the two up. We're saved by faith alone, but the faith is never alone as it will act and obey the word of God. We see something similar in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. I'm just going to read these to you. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. So we're saved by faith alone, and yet we live a life of obedience and that God is working in us. All right, that's the setup. Now let's get into the details. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds, worlds, hmm, Worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now the worlds is just a reference to the universe and all that it is entails and our earth and trees and mountains and flowers and lakes, the sun and everything else created. We see these things with our physical eyes. Yet by faith, we understand that all these things were not formed out of what was visible, but formed by God's command. Why do we believe it? Were you there at creation? No, you were not. Why do you believe God created it? Because God's word says so. The word of God, which we cannot see, which is invisible, spoke. And what did the word of God say? Let there be light. 
Let the land produce vegetation. Let the water teem with living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky and a variety of other words in Genesis 1 that God spoke and they came to be. And faith has this inner certainty and assurance that the word of God formed all that we see, which is visible out of nothing. And I'd love to go on and on and on here, but I'm going to save all the thunder for next week. We're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about creation as we've invited in Gary Bates to speak here during the service, during the Sunday school hour, Sunday night, about creation and God's wonderful work. So it's going to be encouraging time. Hope you can be there. So we move from creation to the first story, and that is the one of Abel. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Now, do you know the story in Genesis 4 of Cain and Abel? Brothers, the first two sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain and Abel brought sacrifices to God. Cain worked out in the field and brought some of the fruits of the soils and offering of God. And Abel, he kept the flocks and he brought some fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flocks. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's was not. Cain got angry and killed Abel. And the question is, why did God receive Abel's offering and not Cain's? And you can sit there and go, well, did it have something to do with the fruit? Did it have something to do with the animals, the livestock? Don't get into that stuff. Because it tells us why he accepted one and not other. Abel brought his offering to God by, that's the answer. And Cain did not. Cain was simply going through the motions. And Cain, angry, killed his brother Abel. And what does the word of God tell us? That Abel's faith still speaks today and encourages you today. Now, before we go further, I want to make sure that you understand that what Abel is doing is a routine life of faith. He didn't think, well, I can't wait to make this offering by faith and then my brother's going to whack me. And then I'm going to be this great testimony throughout history. No, he's thinking, I'm going to show up. I'm going to go through the routine. My heart is in it. I want to offer God this sacrifice. I think too many times, read chapter 11, we try to think of these huge things we got to do by faith. We think about how awesome it's going to be to have tremendous faith. And we're going to have this great display of faith. It's going to be so spectacular. And yet, able, boring, Routine, consistent life of faith. That's what God's looking at. Not just spurts of faith here and there, but a consistent life of faith and showing up and being faithful. And it says that that kind of life is one that's going to be spoken of us after we're dead. If you want to leave a legacy, live a life of faith now where you're consistently showing up in the routines, whether it's giving, whether it's serving, whether it's praying, whether it's sharing your faith, it's a consistent routine life of faith, nothing flashy, 
We're not going to put it in a newspaper article, put it up on the internet about your life of faith. It's going to be just a simple life of faith that you can pass on to the next generation. Next guy, Enoch. Enoch, all right, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 5, we don't have to turn there, but it talks about Enoch's kids, his age, and the fact that he walked with God and then God took him. Before he was taken away, he was a man who pleased God. Enoch's the guy who brought God pleasure by his faith. He received so much acceptance that he did not die. All right. Now, when you read these verses, you think, okay, so Enoch's walking with God. He has a life of faith. It must be really easy. He's really faithful. And then God just swoops down and takes him up. But Enoch is walking with God after the fall. It's a sinful world. Too many times we think that walking with God means that we're walking with him through the Garden of Eden. Things are perfect. We're holding hands. It's great. And the reality that most of our walk of faith is through the Garden of Gethsemane, where we see Jesus. Lord, is there another way? There's not. Not my will, but yours be done. Faith is not only not flashing. Often your faith may not feel good. You may make decisions that go against your flesh, the world, and the devil that is clearly a life of faith, and it doesn't make your life better, but makes it worse. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes walking by faith will make your life worse. This is what happens because you're obeying the Lord and not the world. And sometimes your expressions of faith cannot be something we're going to write home about. Let me, let me tell you this. So there's this pastor, right? He was doing a Q&A just this week with his congregation. And his congregation asked him, somebody in the congregation said, say, Pastor, what's God teaching you right now? I know as pastor, we're supposed to be so full of this great faith. We're supposed to impress you guys. And he's asked this question, and this is what he said to the question, what is God teaching you recently? He said, um, nothing really. He said, I've felt very far away from God for the past 18 months. I haven't engaged in unrepentant sin. And I know his heart toward me is unchanged. And I know it won't always be like this, but I've felt very far away from him and I, and I don't know why. And I miss him like crazy. And he says, I think there's something about that written in the Psalms. I think that even when we don't feel God, and yet we continue to draw near to him, continue to stay in his word and repent, and we still don't feel him, that still can be a life of faith. Can you imagine that in order to obey you have to feel something every time. Like, okay, I'm going to obey. I better feel good. No, no. There would be seasons where you don't feel anything. And yet you're living a life of faith. Because too many times I really think that we think good faith, good circumstances, and good feelings. Bad faith, bad circumstances, and bad feelings. When the reality is you can have a life rooted in faith and feel terrible at the same time. And yet you can still be walking by faith. Can you imagine all the martyrs and prophets in the Bible who were killed for the Lord? We could say, oh, man, you just had bad faith. You were just killed. You terrible faith. Oh, you're thrown into prison? You must have terrible faith. There are times when we obey the Lord that it doesn't feel good. 
There are times when we obey the Lord, the, the outcomes are not what we expected, and we continue to walk with him. And you may not feel good at all, but I tell you what, if I'm looking at your life and the people sitting next to you are looking at your life, we're pretty impressed. I'm pretty impressed with those of you who are going through some hard times and you're clinging to the Lord. I am blown away. You may not feel that way, but I'm encouraged by you and the life of faith. Well, the last example is a guy named Noah. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, the account of Noah is in Genesis 6 and 9, and Noah was warned about the destruction that was going to happen to come upon the earth because of the sinfulness of mankind. And in following God's warning about the unseen things to come in the future, he built an ark in the fear of the Lord in order to save his family. Just by the sake that he's sitting there cranking on this ark year after year shows that he's expressing the unseen reality. And his expression of faith is commended here. He commended here and in the Old Testament as he is pointing to the judgment of God. Now, Here's what I'm learning about Noah. Noah was tipped off about the future. He got tomorrow's news today. He knew and he was tipped off that, hey, judgment is coming. Start cranking on this ark now. And by faith, he's building, saying, the flood's coming, it's going to rain. People are like, rain? What's rain? He's cranking on the ark. He was tipped off about tomorrow. My brothers and sisters, you've been tipped off. You have tomorrow's news today. Right now, we don't see the return of Christ. Right now, we don't see sin completely eradicated on this earth. Right now, we're not in the new heavens and the new earth, but you've been tipped off. It's coming. You know the future. And because you know the future, you're supposed to live in light of the future today. And then since you're to build that ark today, you're to walk by faith today because you've been tipped off by the future. And we have a summary of, of, of what these guys are doing in verse 6. Look at this summary about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and then he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So what do these men have in common? Well, they have two things in common. You see it there? It says they believe that God exists, and they believe that God rewards those who seek him. Abel, routine offerings. What does he believe? God exists. God rewards those who seek him. Enoch, walking with God. You walk with God, even through difficult times. What do you believe? That God exists, and he rewards those who seek him. Noah, tipped off about the future. Got tomorrow's news today. Why? Hey, believe that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. So far, so good. Put this all together and see that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the Hebrews and to you. Things are tough. Hebrews are being persecuted. They're going through these moments of their faith being challenged and some of them have turned them into patterns and some of them have turned them into lifestyles of unbelief. 
And he's saying, look, those who truly live by faith believe that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. And now you may sit back and go, I'm not an atheist. I believe that God exists. But let me ask you this. If I followed you around, would I conclude that you are a functional atheist? Though you may testify to the existence of God, you're living as if he does not exist. Are you a functional atheist? Of course you don't want to be. And I want to make sure, once again, that you understand this. It doesn't mean that you have spectacular, flashy faith. It means that no matter what is going on in life, you're going to cling to God no matter what. You're going to trust him no matter what. This past week, I learned about a woman who's going through a horrendous family situation with one of her kids. And I don't know if any of you are in that spot right now where things with your family is just messed up, that it creates so much pain within you. And this woman made a comment of faith. She said, just when I thought I couldn't go any lower, God was like, let's go lower. Now, you may see that as a word of doubt or a challenge to God. But if you read the Psalms, if you read the book of Job, those are words of faith. God, I'm going to come to you. Though you slay me, I will praise you. I want to make sure you understand when we're talking about a life of faith, it's not saying that everything's going to go well and it's not always going to look pretty. And yet it can still be a life of faith, whether it's the routine, whether judgment of God is coming, no matter what is going on, body falling apart. You believe that God exists and you're going to live like it and not be a functional atheist. Not only do people have faith believe that God exists, but did you notice again what it says in verse 6? It says, and he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. Another doctrine we may have dropped in life when we're living a life of obedience is that God does reward us. The Bible in the book of Hebrews talks about God rewarding us with eternal life by faith, rest by faith, rest from our enemies by faith, complete acceptance by God by faith. We are told that when we draw near to God, we get grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. But most of all, Our greatest reward is God himself. And when we draw near to him, we get God. Not only do we believe him, not only do we act like it, but the reward we receive is God himself. So I'm going to ask yourself, I want you to ask this. When you're sinning or going down that road, what am I not believing about God at this moment? If this last week was totally full of worry and fear, what were you not believing about God? If your life has recently come crashing down and you were thinking about giving up, what are you not believing about God? It has really helped me because I think this last week, I mean, I feel this often, but this last week I really have felt squeezed hard 
of circumstances. I felt just squeezed. And when you're feeling squeezed, you get tempted to do stupid things. And I've got to pause this week and I've got to think, at this moment where I'm tempted to do stupid things, what am I not believing about God? And you can pull yourself back and you say, okay, listen, almost like preaching to yourself. God is real. He sees me. He's here. And he's in control. Too many times we give up all those when we give into a life of despair and sin. He is real. He sees me. He's here. And he's in control. And if that reality is true, I can live a life of faith no matter how I feel. Because we're waiting for good feelings, they're often never going to come. And that's why a life of faith is not always pretty. It can be very difficult. And some of you are in the midst of it right now. But you're choosing to believe God and his word rather than give into the world. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, moments of unbelief can turn into patterns. And those patterns can turn into lifestyle. Before you know it, you're super far away from God. But the good news is, he's always saying to you, I'm here. I didn't go anywhere. You're the one who left. You can come back right now. That's the good news right now, that if you've been straying in these moments, straying in these patterns, straying in these lifestyle of unbelief, you can come back right now. Receive forgiveness and receive mercy. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.